0: Good morning, good evening, good night, NBN, Entrepreneurship and Leadership.
1: Personally, I'm fascinated by the story. Trust is an underrated weapon in the business landscape. I'm a really, really strong believer in learning by doing. What's the definition of success? He's trying to come up with an answer to the question. But go ahead, Richard. Uh,
0: You could be right, but you're wrong. (laughs) Good morning, good evening, good night, entrepreneurship and leadership channel listeners on the New Books Network. I'm here with my friend and co-host, Kimon Fontakidis, who's in Krakow. I'm in Lisbon and I'm with Oliver Webb Carter, who is the founder of a magazine and website called Aspects of History. And I'm not sure where you are, Oliver, but would you like to introduce yourself a bit in a slightly more detail than the role you've got at the moment? Just to explain a little bit about yourself, just in a minute or two, like where you come from, what your history is.
2: Sure. And thank you very much for having me on. It's a a real honour. I am uh, the uh, co-founder and editor of Aspects of History. So Aspects of History is a a magazine, uh, website, and we also do a podcast as well. And it's dedicated to history and historical fiction. And so really what the the company does is it's intended to help showcase historians and historical fiction authors as well, because we're very passionate about the the fiction side of things. It's often how um well it's certainly how I got involved got interested in history through through the fiction side. And we launched our first issue of the magazine in December 2020. We publish the magazine both through Amazon where you'll get Kindle and, print version and then also a pdf on our website with all the bells and whistles all the color uh the images and things like that and we publish that every other month and as i said it's it's intended to uh, help showcase historians and and um fiction authors and i have a background in as i was saying to you before we started recording i've worked in the city for for nearly 20 years but prior to that i was an archaeologist i worked oh, for really? indiana um, jones
1: i uh, been watching yes. indiana jones with the kids recently so uh, it's oh well, fresh in my i've met indiana jones so <laughs> the re- which one the,
2: the, the actual in the end, the actual harrison ford Oh, you met Harrison wow. Ford. No way, oh, wow. I, have, wow. I, have. Wow. I have, I have, I yeah. have. I was very small. It was in Central America, in Belize, where he was filming the Mosquito Coast.
0: Oh. And-
2: um, yeah, he was lovely. And so, you know, he, uh, of course, he was um, Han Solo and
1: Indiana Jones. <laughs> I know. I mean, are you kidding me? I was yeah. trying to explain to my kids, my kids are young and they've now watched Star Wars and in it. And I'm like, you don't understand. Like, he's Han Solo and in the end. Like, you don't understand. This guy hit the jackpot. <laughs> like, to get one of those, he had two. yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, he's
2: amazing. He, he's fantastic. A huge fan of. Uh, yeah well, you know that's that's of of course you know Indiana Jones I think every single archaeologist will say that's why they are interested in archaeology. <laughs> that entire, that's really the case for me yeah really? Well, I mean so much so that I actually returned to Belize in 1995 when I was 18 um between uh, leaving school and going to university. And I worked in um I worked on Maya archaeology for six months in, okay. in Belize in Belize. Yeah, because I've
1: actually been I just this year I was in Belize for the first time. Oh, and right. uh there I saw I didn't stay, I stayed down in I can't remember. We didn't stay in Belize City, we stayed down in one of the places down south. Um Dangriga uh, or, or? Elfi Placencia, I think. It was oh, I know, Plasencia. yes, yes. Really, yes, really, really, really nice spot. Anyway. There are though. I, I did notice there are these Mayan. They have like Mayan temples. There are things for to do there in terms of because there's a lot of. So I guess that's what you were on. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely.
2: I mean, there are hugely significant um, sites all over Central America, really. Mm. Uh, but and, and in Belize there are some wonderful places. Um, there are there that I mean, I worked on a couple of sites. One of which was quite big, called Chichen which is the closest large Maya site to Tikal, which is. In Guatemala, just over the border, yeah, right, 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 appears in Star Wars, in in uh, (laughs) Return of the Jedi, yeah.
0: I have a feeling um, that a lot of our listeners are learning stuff they would have not learned any other way.
1: <laughs> yeah, so we'll get to the uh, get to the business stuff soon. No, I'm interested oh, in the archaeology. I don't want you to leave the archaeology. Tell us about the archaeology. How? So what? How, so and well, I, I, was like, so, you're well I was working. You were young. You said you're 18. You're 18. Yeah, I was
2: 18. So I was I was about to go to university to Warwick University to study ancient history and classical archaeology. Okay, I I studied an ancient history uh, A level. And that was mainly uh, ancient Greece. Um, so, you know, classical Athens, that kind of thing. But, um, you know, I wanted to to study archaeology as well. And having, uh, my, I'd lived, as I'd mentioned, when I met Indiana Jones himself uh, about <laughs> 10 years before, um, I, I, my father was in the army and stationed in Belize. And... And and I was at boarding school in England, so I'd come back on the holidays. But I so I didn't see as much of it as my siblings and my and my parents did. But I really wanted to return, and um, because I loved being there when I was was there. And yes. And my dad did know some archaeologists from his time. Ten years before, and so was able to um, get in touch with one, and and then I, you know, you speak to one, someone else knows someone else, and and um, so that's what I was doing there. So I, but, did, but of- I
1: have to know what did you actually do? Obviously, you weren't like uh, swinging, uh, using a whip, and swinging from trees No, sadly not. No, <laughs> I'm sure you were digging or cleaning something. Did you find? I mean, we had to
2: work. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was. Uh, um, I mean. I had no real, no academic uh, achievements in archaeology. Right. So, and I was working with two universities um, in Shenandoah. I was working with the University of, of color, UCLA, um, yes. University of California, Los Angeles, and then in yeah. then further north in a place called Blue Creek, I worked with the University of Texas, in, coming uh, in San Antonio. Okay. And, you know, it's just lots of fun for an 18-year-old <laughs> Of Brit course. Just, yeah. And 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 so it just, it, it, there were lots of fun days. You get up very early. I think we were um, on site by 6. Yeah, because it's hot. At hot. Yeah. You need to do it, yeah. Oh, I mean, once you get up to Shanantinich, which is a, a big structure, Maya structure, and it peaks over the canopy of the jungle, and mm-hmm. at 6 a.m., the mist is yeah, just hovering are. over the Oh, it's just... I'll never forget that, um, but yeah, but, but a lot of manual labour because I didn't, I, you know, I wasn't really able to. I don't know. Um, well, you were
1: eighteen; you didn't know anything. Yeah, <laughs> I was just theory. I was just
2: given a given a mattock and told to get on with it, basically, um, which I was very happy with. Um, and uh, and then yeah, that's what I that's yeah that's what I did, and um, I loved it actually. Um, didn't meet many Brits when I was out there. It was mainly um, you know the local. Uh, Belizeans Belize is a very extra it's an extraordinary country on the coast you get a lot of the remnants of the slave population so it's mostly you know black caribbean and then the further inland you go you get the remnants of the
1: maya indians yeah. so um, yeah i met both there um definitely um, okay, so this is the base for archaeology, and then you went to university in history. So, yes. and you studied archaeology and history? I, yeah, I studied ancient
2: history and archaeology at, at Warwick. And then when I graduated, um, I didn't really have a clear idea of what I wanted to do, but um, because I, whilst it sounds like, you know, I was dead set on an archaeology career. Um, I think when I left I I, I, I got slightly detached from the archaeology because the degree basically was more ancient history right and then um, but I did fall into a job for working for the museum of London in January 1999 and work and that's working in London and it was very un Indiana Jones like it is working <laughs> on building sites you're clearing you are basically doing a, a going through a process to clear out any archeological remains to just tick a box for the um, corporation right. of London before HSBC or, um, you know, RBS decide to stick up a, a building. Right. Um, so we worked on a few interesting sites, but um, it, I wouldn't say it was glamorous, so particularly not in, you know, when it's cold and it's raining. Right. And, uh, yeah. And there's no, um, there's no bull whips or, or Federer's lying. Around right. Around
1: exactly. Here. So what did you? Uh, so what drove you? So how did you get from doing that to? Well, the pay is awful um, <laughs> as an archaeologist.
2: So I have to be honest. And the so I think the the I think the salary I was on, um, and this was in '99. So this is around about I think I was on around about twelve or thirteen grand a year right. in London, um, and that was at the time. Uh, and so uh, it's not it, below. I mean, it's around minimum wage. I think roughly. Right. Maybe, I mean, and so I could barely, you know, afford to live. So I decided I had I had some savings. So I did a technology um, masters at Nottingham University to learn about IT, and because I bar- I could barely send an email. And um, I got a job once I graduated from that at uh, JP Morgan, working in IT support. Oh. Um, and I began that job in. So I did the. I think the masters in two thousand. That graduated in two thousand and one, and then early two thousand and two, I got the job at JP Morgan. I started in 02 and and left IT support in about twenty ten. So okay. I loved it. It was a great job when you you've got a bunch of people similar age. It's a bit of a team atmosphere. Yeah. Um. And you got out on to working on trading floors and um and in the banking floors as well it was lots of fun and you know particularly the first before the the crash where working in a in a in an investment bank was i guess it's changed a a huge amount i think particularly after the crash but um but before then it was a little bit more of a i wouldn't uh, relaxed is the wrong word it's it's not like that but it was less formalities Mm
1: -hmm. and that had
2: its advantages and of, of, as we all know, disadvantages. Mm-hmm. But um, but it was fun to work at. And then I changed job in about 2010 and moved closer to the the business, working in a um, a, a role called um, change management, which involved helping basically helping um, bankers and traders negotiate the firm itself, because J.P. Morgan is such a vast J.P. Morgan Chase, right right, 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 firm. right, right, right. Uh, it has a huge amount of bureaucracy, so we would um, the, the, our organisation, the or the change management team that I joined was if, essentially set up to enable um, the bank to negotiate itself. So we'd help. So if 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 a trader needed a new piece of market data software, we would um, we would negotiate that request through all its approvals and, and very boring stuff like that. With the yeah with the organization itself yeah exactly um so I um and I so I had a management um job doing that um added to that I was involved with managing the assistant population for various parts of the uh of the investment bank which was far more challenging and that's the administrative assistance for for bankers and Traders. Okay. Um, so obviously you're then dealing with human beings who are, yes. um, yeah. And, and so that's where the
1: problems a... start.
2: Indeed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and then I moved from that in about 2016 and joined the controls
1: management
2: organization.
1: Wow, and... So we were for a long time in JP Morgan, like forever, yeah. like 20 years, 30 years, or I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I, I left in 2020. Oh, wow. Well yeah
2: um uh it, the 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 controls management is um in the wake of the financial crash compliance very much were stepping back and becoming a third well i think more clearly a third line um, detachment from the business itself I, I tell me if you're bored by this or
1: <laughs> um yeah don't go too don't go too far. I mean we're getting the we're getting, I think we're getting the highlight of it. I mean basically you went through these jobs here in uh, in uh in JP Morgan but it's interesting because you did go, you did actually switch within. you went from IT support to actually quite different stuff to this uh, yeah. to change management to this then this people management stuff. But you weren't ever doing like the actual finance. So you weren't doing any trading or financial No analysis no um, or anything like that
2: no no they they very wisely didn't let me anywhere near that I, I would um yeah i i'm I, I it's it's strange you know having had j p morgan on my cv for so long but i'm when it comes to finance and and economics um i mean i'm i probably know a little bit more about it in my current job than i was <laughs> at j p morgan i was um I, you know i studied ancient history that gives an indication of where my kind of brain Power, um, you know, is is most comfortable. Mm. Numbers I'm less comfortable with. Mm. So
0: I've uh, got a ahead. question just about this business of the decision to quit, did it and do something completely different? Did that build up over time, or was there like a moment when you walked into the office and thought, I can't do this anymore? Because okay, I think that's something that a lot of people those things if they have a bad day it flits through their mind and i was just wondering how you how that happened
2: well if i were to be quite kind of introspective and, and really look into my time at j p morgan i would say that i was always moving a kind of job i don't think i ever did the same exactly the same job for more than say 2 years so i would look to to do something else so if i worked in it support i moved the the to a different department to support. So go from trading to to banking, which both have their own sets of challenges. It sounds like it's the same job, but it isn't really. And so I think I was always looking to move, probably didn't really think about it because I was younger, but I was probably not quite comfortable with what I was doing because I ultimately wanted to be an archeologist, you know, originally. Mm Um, so I, I would say it was kind of already, always there, but not, um, not really that apparent to me. I wasn't really that aware of it in 2010, I started doing night classes, um, learning ancient Greek again, which I used to study at Ooh. university. And, um, I, I mean, I loved it. it. It, it, I didn't find it tiring after a long day at the office, you'd think going to learn ancient Greek in a night class is, is the last thing you want to do. But when I was learning it, it like used a different part of my brain so I didn't feel too tired and but so that that kind of made me think well, like, why am I doing that
1: <laughs>
2: waste of time um but
1: that's yeah, uh, what you're interested in yeah, here, yeah it was fun yeah it was
2: lots of fun and then I was always looking for management jobs as well because I, I you know I I felt like that was what I was good with dealing with people cool. so maybe that's the best best way of doing it um but I think to actually leave the firm and it's a big step because jp morgan's a very generous employer i don't just mean financially i mean you know um the benefits and various things and uh, it was a big step but i i but i realized that um in all honesty i uh, once i hit 40 i thought is this really what I want to do until I'm 65 uh, or 60 or whatever, you know, whatever age. And so I was uh, around about 40. I moved to this controls job I mentioned. And once I started doing that, it was, it was more the kind of work that I thought I would want to do at JP Morgan. And when I ended up doing it, I found it. um, I didn't, find it interesting in fact and i i don't I, I feel bad about saying this i'm sure none of my former colleagues are listening but um in that team but i it was the most boring job i'd ever done and i hated it
0: <laughs> uh,
2: well, well, former colleagues. <laughs> yeah, um... It wasn't their fault,
0: <laughs> <laughs> but but, um... but had they been more interesting, it would have been less. <laughs> no, let's let's not dwell on that. Okay, so you were in a you hated your job and you were bored. I did
2: actually, yeah, and you and you were forty,
1: and you were forty. So
2: yeah, I mean, I would get. I don't. I don't know if if this is ever discussed. You can edit this out, but I I used to get that three a.m. wake up. And, um can't get back to sleep um I would get that a lot I um and and I just thought, uh, no, well, so sorry
0: just to to hover on that for a moment we I mean, we go everywhere in this in this podcast series and you know I wasn't this, sure and, good and, <laughs> and, and you know actually mental health and you know what business does you and sometimes success isn't even which Kim was saying earlier the success is a worse tutor than failure you know that but just you Know it's actually important for people to hear that you know, not everything's perfect, even if you're at a bulge bracket investment bank, you were waking up in the middle of the night just because you couldn't bear the thought of your life being as it was. Basically, is that right? Or,
2: I, I, I th- that's probably the case for me. I'm not the sort of person who really talks about this kind of stuff very often, um, but I would say that, um, just from a lot of friends, I mean, I, I meet up with a lot of friend, friends who are either still working at J.P. Morgan or, or have um, have left but are still working in firms. I think a lot of people um, probably do feel in a similar way but are willing
1: to compromise just because yes, it is. Yes, yes, yes. That's the evil side of the whole thing is that uh, where it's like modern-day slavery, right? It's like we... You give them their their credit and their salary. You know they they have their loans. They have obligations, and then they have this dependency on this job, and that's what makes what you did very very impressive. Actually, that's why we 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 need to we need to hear how you did it because it is like it is tough. To make well, a big change like that you know you're very I mean, even we, we joke about 40 but 40 has the flip side right like <laughs> it's like that's when you need to sort of be stable and stuff like that so you know that's well, the flip side. Yeah, exactly i mean yeah okay. you always hear about how
2: i think is it once you hit 40 45 you should be at your maximum earning
1: um oh okay oh, a nightmare nightmare no, I don't you know yeah, what you're well, reading, but I'm, I'm glad nobody's told me about that stuff. That's well, I've gone I've
2: the, <laughs> the other way.
1: Um,
2: um, but I, I think around around about so 20. I left. I left uh, J.P. Morgan. My last work day at work at J.P. Morgan was in October 2020. So obviously that's pandemic time. Yeah. I I went on sabbatical in 2019 in um, April 2019 for six months with my wife. Um, we hopped in our car and went around Europe for four months. Nice. And, um, so I think that that gives you an indication that maybe, you know, if you're going on sabbatical and I think my employer, my management thought this as well was, mm, you know, I'm not convinced this guy is back. <laughs> sees himself in, in the firm for the next five years, but I, no, but I always intended to return actually. Um And so I did get back, I I returned to work at the end of 2019, but my heart wasn't in it by then. And I I couldn't, there were no jobs out there that were of any interest to me. And so um, I came to an agreement with the firm and that was just around the time that the pandemic hit and the firm was very kind and then sort of delayed the, um, uh, the, the, the departure date um, but then you know I left in in twenty twenty in October twenty twenty. Right. Um. But I I think during that during that um sabbatical, I kind I kind of did see another world out there. Um. You don't. I, I once you do get slightly. I, I felt I got slightly institutionalized at J P Morgan, having been there eighteen years you know you assume that working outside of such a a kind of well it's a great name it's a it's a great yeah. um um it, it it's got a great reputation well okay it's got a reputation it's got a great <laughs> reputation amongst some um
1: but it looks I mean no amongst- let's be honest most people would say wow and most yeah. people say wow when you say yeah, I work for JP so I mean, like, it has the wow factor, whatever. Yeah,
2: yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, I certainly, you know, I believe that. I certainly believe that when I was there. I, I, I would say, um, I'm, well, I'm, I'm a lot more interested in history now, and so I'm very interested in the role of these big firms during the financial crash. So mm-hmm. I'm slightly, I'm not as if I would say, <laughs> it's best to say I'm not as enthusiastic as I was when I was working. Right right um mm-hmm. but you have done your
1: research <laughs> yeah
2: but um but i think i i um i think i i did um yeah I, I was looking at what i could do once if i were to leave and then i met uh, i had uh, the, my co-founder is a an old friend of mine who works in in the publishing world and so we we were um i mean i'd always been talking to him about sort of various kind of things Over the years and then we we our conversations got a little bit more serious in the summer of 2020 talking about what what was a potential business opportunity
1: okay and then how did it happen like what actually well so um
2: we have increasingly seen um particularly in history and and um um, and and parts of parts of the fiction world is is that publishers are, are less interested in or are, have fewer resources to be able to dedicate to many historians. They've got the big name um, authors that they'll throw all their um, publicity at and and marketing campaigns, but but for other um, authors. You know, they'll write the book, they'll have their book launch and they'll get a few podcasts or, or, or with mainstream media, but that if they're lucky and otherwise, that's that. And so what we were talking about doing was creating this this company where you would be able to help promote the work in a, in a, a traditional format, right? I.e. magazine, you know, website yeah. um, and podcasts. And you're showcasing the author that way and so if an author signs up to us they have a platform with us and then well, that's what we're there for we're there to help promote them so we'll, we'll we'll you they'll always have access to our magazine our website our um podcast if certainly if they've got a book out but we we also don't ignore their backlist titles so, you know, we'll do book of the month for a, a, a fiction author who had a book out five years ago and it, and, and, you know, that's a, a that'll be a, a, a book that was, this that was successful at the time or was good, a good, great book at the time, maybe didn't get as much um, interest as it should have. And, and we help promote that way as well. So um, that, that, that was really why, because increasingly publishers are less interested in, in um, promoting Many of their uh, many of their authors, and we also thought we could help publishers as well. So often publishers maybe don't want to dedicate resources. they can use us, and we will help promote um, uh, authors that publishers recommend to us. Um, so that's the idea. That's a kind of that was the kind of rough idea. Where but does know. the revenue come from?
1: Is it advertising revenue, or um, kind of, so is it traditional publishing business? It's bit, it... So it's a bit of both. We're you know stre- we're stretching our revenue
2: over um, various different ways. So um, predominantly, we we get our revenue through authors and our uh, authors, publishers, and the magazine.
1: So authors will pay us a fee, and that's how we therefore. Um, for promotion like you're going to help promote me and here's a fee yeah. okay promotion. So if you go on our website we've got a plat or we've got author platforms mm-hmm. and so that's maybe
2: richard where you saw robert lyman's platform is that th- they will pay us we we then create their platform for them and then they'll write articles which they'll we'll put on the platform and then we promote or we'll put them on the uh, website when they're uh, on them Sorry, on the magazine when the book uh, is published, mm-hmm. you know, to help capitalize on that publication date, um, we publish that we uh, the magazine consists of articles, short stories. I'll get I'll get to the the the, the revenue um, yeah uh, in a sec. But the magazine consists of articles, short stories, and interviews. And they're all with authors you've got a book out at the 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 time of or roughly the time of publication of the magazine, and it comes with a book review. So the idea is that as the reader reads an article, they read the review and think, okay, that looks that looks interesting. I'll buy the book. So that's that's the that's the theory behind it. So that's how it helps the author. We get our revenue from authors from publishers. We get our revenue from uh, the magazine. Um, uh subscribers oh We've so it's a subscription-based it's yes it's a subscription so yes, subscri- i should have mentioned that shouldn't i yeah. um i
1: yes. mean no, look there's different models i mean the 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 publishing is either subscription-based or advertising-based usually i mean no one else is doing what we're doing i mean the, yeah. uh, it's called aspect the first the is the called aspects
2: of history mm-hmm. it could be aspects of science fiction it could mm-hmm. be aspects of um we just um 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 we 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 just haven't um branched out but right we, that's a good we idea have, we working. have we we also um uh, promote the um that we sell through amazon itself so when we put that on promotion we get a huge number of of, of um sales from that side of things and then also we are uh, we're always looking at so I, are you familiar with substack yeah sure yes yeah. So we're on that as well. Uh, this, these are the various different um, um, ways of um, that we're getting our revenue. Uh, and does it work? And um,
0: can you put some numbers on it, like numbers of traffic or revenue or like readers? Um, I don't know what you measure, but how 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 well you do, Because you're quite new, so i are not expecting you to be in the billions. Although if you are, congratulations. But
2: yeah, no, we're not. We're not quite there yet. Um, the 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 we get the majority of our hits on our website come through uh organic searching and i've I found increasingly um uh, we, we have most of our social media presence through twitter because that tends to be where where all the history um kind of history um uh, 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 sort of traffic tends to be but i don't uh, whilst we get traffic from twitter i'm don't see as much as I guess I originally expected. We get far more organically through through um, search engines, and obviously we need to make sure that our website's um, SEO is 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 good as a result of that. But um, for our magazine, we get around about um, we have about three thousand subscribers to the magazine itself. Wow, that's impressive. And, and then and then when we put it on promotion with. Uh, we get a very high um renewal rate um so once people subscribe they they stick with us um we offer it's very cheap i should say or uh, that's the wrong word i should say very re- <laughs> it's great wise. value it's yeah, great yeah, value yeah. Yeah. What, what, what is the what is the
0: excellent it, value? So for
2: a one year's um one year's subscription it's nine uh, six issues so we publish every other month there's 9.99 um dollars yeah, or 9.99 pounds so about 12 or 13 dollars or euros for us. Uh, 9.99 dollars we do the same oh. Oh. yeah 9.99 dollars and and 9 pounds
0: 99
2: okay um and then obviously we sell issues individually if you want um but that's what our idea is behind is to retain our customer base by Uh, making the subscription as reasonable as um, as we can and that helps with our numbers and so that attracts more authors
1: the more that's what they that's what they care about and so you're the are you like the main like you're the you said you're the editor I edit the magazine yes so you're like uh, reading the books and you're reading the books writing the book reviews or 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 no no yeah no no I'm not um
2: I'm editing the magazine I'll I'll, I will do many of the interviews okay. and therefore I'll, I'll, it depend depend on the author. I might just do a, you know, uh, I'll do a, a transcript of the conversation and put that in the highlights of the, the interview, mm-hmm. or I'll write it more long form if the subject I'm, I'm quite passionate about. So okay. for example, last month I interviewed a, a ancient historian who has written a book about Homer and the Iliad um and so I'm, i love that kind of stuff and so i'll write a little bit more of a mm-hmm. a, a flowing interview that you mm-hmm. might see in a magazine or something um you know in the, like the new york times or something um or we'll do or if it's if it's quite a punchy fun interview we'll just do a sort of q a um that again you would see in uh, a, a supplement of the, a a newspaper uh, interview and then, um, and then I will have the authors. Obviously, they all write their own articles. And then, book reviews. We've got a number of contacts in the world who either will contact me, or I am. I'll have some. Some of the authors might write a review. So, if they're, you know, an expert on the subject, they, they right. may be interested in the book, and so they. Therefore- I guess you never have a
1: situation where you're, 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 this author is paid money and is supposed to be promoted, and the book review comes in, and and. Sorry, our book reviews always. I haven't read that's a, a good lot question. of question re... when so, I when I think about it. I don't think I've read a lot of book, re... but I, 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 now that I think about it, they're almost always positive, aren't they? Yeah, well, I'm so sure. that's
2: a very good question. And you know, you
1: might you might well go
2: well. You know, your job is to help promote these authors, isn't it? And so your reviews aren't going to be critical. I have never ever asked a uh, directed a reviewer to um, uh, to change their review to make it more
1: positive. Right. Mm-hmm um i mean so it I, doesn't just, happen it just doesn't happen this 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 conflict well, of interest just never happens. what i would say or, or you just or you just that's it i mean whatever I, well i would say that i do try and curate the magazine in such a way that
2: we are we're, we're talking um uh, we do include i think we have a, a kind of a slant historically it's interesting you mentioned that title richard um and uh because I had I've stumbled into the history world and if this this is answering your question command i the, the, the i've stumbled into this kind of uh history writing world that is very
1: political and, um <laughs> i didn't I, really i didn't know that i didn't know there's that. a huge so huge debate oh yes. really yes. about what so i i am actually i am a fan of history and i uh but I no me where, too, and I didn't know about it. <laughs> yeah, it seems like Richard is um, well up to speed.
0: Yeah, well, I'm un- unusually unusual. <laughs> but
2: well, no, well but no, no. You, that, maybe you,
0: you explain, please. Yeah.
2: Well, uh, well, uh, you know, we everyone's got their own perspective. You see, so.
1: But on um, um, what on um, the the way things were, what the interpretation? The way to... I think that what uh, how be
2: interpreted how it should be okay. written. An... Okay. Yes, okay. Okay. I think. And it's, also... it's
0: part of the culture, was and like you've got people like Jordan Peterson, and you've got people like so you've got like public intellectuals or you know high very high profile people saying that the historical establishment is dominated by post-modernist Marxists who just want to rip the system down and you know and that you know it's not that nothing he ever says has some merit but they set up the people they disagree with as being this sort of cult who they attack and then of course it tends to polarise because people, I don't want to say who was first. And and so you, particularly the history of empire, the history of the British empire has become a, a lightning rod in British politics where, mm. you, know, you know, people aren't allowed, you know, depending on who you are and where you are, people aren't allowed to express certain points of view. And the reason I came across uh, Oliver's website was that I was reading background on someone whose book I'd read. And you know, it's a you know, books can be interesting without you agreeing with them. I mean, it's uh, oh, absurd. Absolutely. It's absurd to think you have to you have to sign off on everything. And the book was very important and influential and controversial. And anyway, your guy Lyman works in the military academy, doesn't he? Work at Sandhurst, which is the British. Military. He may have
2: lectured i' don't, i don't he certainly graduated he's a former army officer he um he writes he's he's just got a new book out actually which is I'm reading at the moment because I'm going to be interviewing him with his co-author who's the former head of the army um and he he wrote a book a couple of years ago about the war in the far east uh, called a War of Empires. so he you know he's He's well used to this kind of empire question.
0: And what's your um, slant? What's the slant about? What's the slant of aspects of history? You said you've got a slant.
2: Well, uh, I, I could give you my view. Um, many of the authors on who have platforms on aspects of history may well disagree with me, and I'm fine by me. I'm I'm very happy. I've just been editing a conversation I had with a uh, a contributor on the podcast about the Parthenon Marbles. Um, so uh, the Elgin Marbles came out. You, you, yeah, you yeah, know more yeah, about yeah, this, yeah? So it...
1: yeah Kimo's Greek.
2: Kim was Greek
0: heritage. He knows, I know. He
2: knows. He commented the name. Don't you? I'm remember a huge him? fan of Kimon, the fifth <laughs> exactly. century general. Yeah, general, exactly. Yes. Um, so yeah. So. Uh, that debate, actually, I don't think... But what is, story- is the
1: debate? I know the story, but I don't know what the debate is. Like, well, the, the debate is are around they these marbles about that are, from the yeah. Parthenon, from the yeah.
2: Acropolis, that sit in... The, uh, half of them are in... Roughly yeah. half are in Athens, half are in London in the British Museum. Right, exactly. And, and the argument is that should they be returned or not? Yeah. And now I've just been editing a podcast with a contributor where I am making the argument that they should uh, go back to Athens... Yeah, and he is strongly
1: um, arguing that they should remain
2: in the British Museum.
1: Now, and what's the what's the argument for? They're gonna. Is it true that the argument is we'll take better care of them? Is, <laughs> is, that, is that is that what? Well, you that's asked that question condes- at an
2: interesting time. Because <laughs> <the British laughs> oh, it's awfully
1: condescending. Just... No, because it's no. Not no I, it's, I, I was no, just I in. It, I was literally just in Knossos recently. I have a house in Crete and i was there and i can't remember you'll know i don't know who but he was british as well the the guy who ran that the whole site and that whole thing but anyway that was part of the that was that was the thing then and then you know, obviously the, the Greek woman who I added and I had somebody I care I was on a tour or something like that. She was uh, up in arms in the British thing. And there was British people. It was hilarious. There was English people on the tour with me and they said, Dude, we, but we took we took good care of. We take good care. We know how to take care of something like that. they were defending the thing. It was hilarious. It was a yes, well, well, thing. It, it, it was it, exactly it, this. But I mean, I don't even like think. How is it possible? Like it seems so obvious to me, and it's not my Greek patriotism. And this is like, okay, we acknowledge this is yours. Give it back. Like, what's? Well, I I think you know it is okay. I'm going
2: to now start arguing against my own position. (laughs) Okay. I think the argument that against their return is and their remaining in the museum, in the British Museum, is that these marbles go beyond Greece. They are um, they are almost a symbol of. The kind of Western um, civilization, you know, how ancient Greece is so important from the play, uh, from the, um, from the uh, dramatic the development phase. of Western civilization. Basically. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. From, you know, the Homeric period all the way through to the fifth century, to the Roman Empire. It's, it's all core part of who we are. And so therefore the British Museum, this is the, this is the argument is that the British Museum is a, is a, a, it's called the British Museum, but it's a, a museum for everyone, not just the British, despite it being called the British Museum. So that's the argument. Yeah. Right. Um, now, I think the fact that it was taken from Greece. Yes. Yes. Again, again, uh, uh, proponents of their retention in the British Museum would, would argue that they were legally taken. I think the question is
1: dubious, yes, <laughs> but they would disagree. OK, um, OK, OK, OK. But, but I don't I, I think I'm just, not. It's so funny because I i don't know. I'm the, the, I'm like completely ignorant, like to, to the well, details the majority, of this whole thing. Yeah. The majority of people in
2: Britain, I think it's fifty nine percent, think they should. I know we're in the danger of, of turning this into something else. You should be listening to my podcast for more on this. But, exactly.
1: um,
2: but I, actually, I, Richard, I don't think this is part of the um, the uh, political turmoil in that's going on in history at the moment. I think actually yeah. it's a side issue. It predates the culture wars by about two hundred years. Yes. So I don't think the part of the Elgin Marbles are, are part of this. But there is an argument that uh, many historians, um, particularly in academia, um, embark on projects because they have a kind of um, uh, a preconceived idea of... They want to prove something. Yeah, exactly. Which you probably is not the best starting point. So I think Robert (laughs) Lyman would argue that I think uh, Caroline... Elkins um, Elkins is is I think Roberts position is that she started off with a from a position that the British empire is a, was um I'm I'm generalizing paraphrasing um and she would probably disagree with me uh, my my language but I think Rob might say that her position took a political slant to begin with i.e. the british empire is, is a uh, evil or a bad thing and did a lot of bad things i think the answer if you ask me is that it's a little bit more nuanced than than good or bad empires throughout history have behaved badly well indifferently um imperfectly per- um, well they've done um co- given great benefit to, to countries they've colonized they've also done great harm uh, yeah but it's not almost a not helpful good bad argument it's no it's what, not what, what, all complicated all. for that
0: well, well we'll put a link to your podcast with uh about this in in the notes with this podcast also there's an excellent interview by william dalrymple and his co host of of caroline elkins about because they there's a smash hit podcast series yeah. Empire called called Empire and and they interview her and it's you know obviously both of them having sort of Indian they're more sympathetic to the Indians than the people who think that the Indians were jolly lucky to be colonized by the by the Brits that they're not anyway,
1: but it's funny because
2: I just I view it I think because I studied ancient history and empire all over that, you know. Exactly. uh, uh, Athenian. I know exactly what you're
1: gonna Yeah, mm -hmm. Spartan
2: Empire, Alexander the Great empires just happened they were there's no point in in saying was it good or bad all all um political entities if they get powerful enough particularly you know um not as benefited us and uh, how enlightened we are we don't we don't see that kind of thing now of course, or do we but um but all uh, all political bodies if they gain enough military strength will start looking at their neighbors and start wanting it doesn't matter mm-hmm. what it's humanity that's what it is that's mm-hmm. my that's my view
1: anyway i, mean, I think it's I, a really I, great point i mean about the fact that if you look through all the only difference here is that it's more modern because yeah. hist- that's the, and so I guess because it's, clo- and I'm not at all uh, aware, I don't know any of these arguments about the British Empire or whatever. I don't even know actually what you guys are talking about, but I am aware of the fact that they the ancient history empires, and there's so many of them, and they were good, as you're saying, they were good and bad. Lots of evil, lots of evil horribleness connected with a lot of like positive benefits that were given to the people. So, and they were, they are like, these are just like, yeah, focusing on the historical facts makes a lot more sense than trying to go at it from a from a I want to prove something. I
2: think Tom Holland put it best um, recently when um, he was again on my podcast. Sorry for the shameless plug. <laughs> Second um, link in the show
0: notes. But, yeah, <laughs> yes,
2: um, uh, and I think he he says uh, um, uh, he said that if you are looking at the past for some kind of um, uh, uh, moral. Um, Judgement for the for your for your present, you're 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 looking in vain. The arc of history does not trend towards justice. So I think that kind of sums it up. Yeah,
0: I know. Um, Talking of justice, sorry, this is going to be a massive segue. I <laughs> Talking show. of
1: justice. I'm now curious how he's
0: going to do this. Um, okay, how, sure. how, how did your wife feel about you abandoning the job in JP Morgan and setting up a highly risky, highly risky venture? I mean, you, you don't have to answer that directly, but no, no, I'd be uh, more than happy to because I I I, I, I are you, it doesn't sound like you're independently wealthy. Um, no, jan- no, although I'm you sound not. as you, your voice and your name looks as though you might be the sort of person who who is because you've got this sort of posh army for a British ear, a posh army public schoolish type accent yes. and, and everything. But it's a it's quite a quite a jump to do what you did because I, I would imagine that even if you're covering your costs, this is not Eldorado. This isn't spewing out cash in Facebook type quantities, is it?
2: And it probably never will if i if i move my camera you'd see all the all the the 100 dollar bills that i, I <laughs> but um you're right it's not it's it's a living but it's not um it's not the salary i was on at j p morgan and so my wife i think that the the my wife has been incredible because I I think one of the reasons why is that she saw me she was in you know with next door to me when I was waking up at that 3am um time slot she saw me getting back from work and she, she was with me on that sabbatical when we were talking about what we wanted to do and she's been massively supportive my my wife's got this extraordinary setup actually she runs her own business where she consults with other firms and she is very successful at it. She's hugely successful. She works six months of the year during the winter months. So she's about to start to resume again um, uh, with a contract in uh, next month. And she will work through till April and then she will stop. And then all summer, not oh be working. God. That's how we should what? interview her. <laughs> yes, I was about to say. How, how did it, how you do, we do that? that? Oh,
0: um, um, share, share a share a link. I mean, obviously, we don't want to talk too much about, and uh, we're already running out of time, so it might it might be a topic, but do share a link so anyone who's curious can look at her website or whatever. But but so, so basically, you had a supportive partner, and for I anyone mean, listening, very much so. I, I couldn't have done it without her. Yeah, for anyone listening, but remember these words: that if your if your husband or boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever it is not on board, it can be very very tough to do what you've done.
2: I mean, I. I I um I think she I don't I'm not very good at talking about my feelings but she was very good at um she was very good with me in that sort of 2019 2018 2019 period um yeah choose wisely you yeah she's I mean? she's Persian as well so um, Kimo and she probably would be uncomfortable with your
1: your first name. <laughs> I, for listeners, now, Kim now I don't know goes, how how you feel about uh, the, you know, goes, you talk about these goes, other uh, things about history. I don't know if we're going to go <laughs> like bringing the name back. Oh my god! <laughs> well, I love Alexander <laughs> the Great.
0: Segway so, back to where we were. Yes. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, no, no, no. We do. Uh, I mean, it seems like we're all fans of history. So you know, obviously, like that's that's nice. It's a nice thing. I I think it's a great uh, look. At the end of the day, you're doing something that you like. Isn't there anything more important than I doing something that you want to do? Who gives a crap about the, how much money? You, I mean, obviously, you need them. and I mean, fortunately, well, it sounds like your your wife also I mean, is a you know makes mo- uh, money, so you're probably fine. And like, does it does anything else really matter? I mean, like, really? I mean, I mean, Kimon, I think you're absolutely right. I, I, one thing I would say is
2: that. I came off the back of a, you know, as I'm as I've uh, droned on about eighteen years at J. Yeah. so that k- provides a certain amount of security. You right. know, I've got a pension. I've got sure. this, a, yeah. a lot of uh, historians,
1: um, you know, who who I help. Maybe, maybe they don't have. I don't know. No, uh, I'm sure they don't. I mean, I talk about it's you know, as you said, archaeologists, but I can't believe the historians are too far behind the archaeologists. So, uh, you know. Definitely... What, you've,
0: what, you, what you've done, I mean, there are lots of people who start off doing a job for money and paying the rent and a mortgage or whatever. And they think one day I'm going to jump ship and do what I really want to do, but they never ever do. Yes. And what, good what's point. nice about your what's nice about your story is that you know you actually you did actually it. did make did make the jump, and you've made a success of it because quite often it ends in disaster. You know, people quit and they set up their yoga school or whatever, and you know it doesn't work, and then they don't have a job or a yoga school. And um, I, I guess you can uh, take great pride in that. And maybe where, where is it? Where is it going? Do you do you sort of you mentioned you could do things other than the history, but that probably wouldn't do it for you. You wouldn't want to be doing aspects of biotech because that wouldn't that wouldn't get you out. You might start waking up in the middle of the night if you were doing aspects of biotech. So so do, could you go even deeper into history and start doing events like other podcast companies do or stuff like that? Do you think or what? yeah
2: yeah we've already we we've started doing that kind of thing. We we have a, a short story award um that will be announced shortly we have last year we did a um a novel unpublished novel competition so we're doing we're always thinking of ways that um um that are interesting and can help with uh, more revenue the um events it, it rather depends there are many many uh historic you would maybe surprised at this but there are many kind of festivals and that kind of thing that are currently um very successful so you have to think i think we'd have to think a little bit carefully about how we would make ours a bit more distinctive and you know there are other there are other very successful um historians themselves you've mentioned William Darremple's successful podcast there is another one run by James Holland that has gone has branched from podcast to to actual festival um in uh, on an annual event where people go for a weekend and and um and so we
1: need to think a little bit like that. I think I'm not surprised. Actually, that sounds like a brilliant idea. Yeah, you get a bunch yeah, of people yeah, that are interested. Yeah, absolutely. They're all going to be drinking and talking about ancient history and yeah. all kinds of stuff. It'd be kind of fun. I'm sure. I'm sure a lot of people would be really into that. Actually.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and if these people are very inspirational. Um, yeah.
1: They're coming up with these great ideas, and I think we
2: just have to think a little bit about that. And
1: you won't have any problem getting speakers. Like that's like like the normally part of the problem you have with things like that is like who's gonna. But like I'm sure because you have historians. You've got tons of potential speakers, basically, I guess. They're interesting, like good ones. <laughs> like we go to business conferences, they suck. I mean, people can't, they're so boring and they can't do it. And these people have like interesting material and they're probably inspirational as well. Because you can probably pull like really good people, you know, like relatively good people. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, even, yeah. even for the magazine, came out. I mean, yeah. the
2: magazine that we produce has... <clears throat> that we we have there are very few great historians who haven't written for us.
1: Yeah, see that's uh, awesome.
2: It's extra I mean, you know, these are these are historians who are hugely well respected um globally and and they're writing for my magazine. I, I can't believe that's awesome. It.
1: I think you should I definitely think you should do the conference the event where you have these guys give their interesting, funny, cool talks about various quirky historical things. That would just be, I, I, I guarantee you that would be a really, really like.
0: Sorry, Richard, you're... Oh, I was, I was going to say that we haven't. I mean, I didn't, wasn't sure whether to talk about it on the on the podcast or not. But the New Books Network itself has a big chunk of historians, and I think that you know we might be able to help promote it or somehow. Yeah, work definitely. Together. Mar- Mar- Marshall Poe, who founded it, is a is a historian, former Harvard historian, and you know it's not. We don't do exactly what you're doing. We don't do a magazine at all, but I think there is. There is definitely common ground, so it's something that we could we could chat about. History
2: palooza. Well, we <laughs> we are always very collaborative. We're very keen to work with with other organisations and groups, mm-hmm. and we do. And um, so we'll never say no. Um, we're always we're very friendly with our content as well. You know. Um, we're very happy to share content, um, mm-hmm. depending on you know, depending on where yeah. going go. But I don't think we've said no yet. It's 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 our historians' content. And it's it helps us to promote them. Yeah. So, so that's that's the the mm-hmm. idea behind it. So always very keen to collaborate. Well, after we publish this, I'll probably I'll I'll, I'll I,
0: there's no there's no rush. I mean, I mean I, I'm the oldest person in this room for sure, and I've still got a few years left. So uh, I'm not sort of burning through to get this done before I'm. My next, well. but but um, I we did I did ask a question we didn't get to the answer to to where you're going to take this. I you I mean, but I could you do you have like a vision or is it just iterative? You do one thing, you see how it works. If it works well, you do more of it. Because you don't <laughs> have to answer to investors or anything like that, do you?
2: No, no. Um, I, I want to increase our magazine magazine readership, and that's my main um. That, that that's really what i what i want to achieve most out of it and it's and that i'm finding that quite difficult it's a challenge i mean it's growing and we've got i'm happy with the numbers but i want to grow it more and, and it's just trying to work out the best way of doing that it, I, i'm time for me is is um, is always a challenge i've got to edit the magazine um the podcast is whereas all the other stuff you know that gets in the way and I really what I want to do is spend a week where I just kind of work out the best way to to um you know do the research and work the best way to try and increase the number of subscribers we've got to the magazine that's really what I should be doing and I don't spend as much time on that as I should mm. Well, if
0: any of our listeners, have... in fact, if anyone wants to get in touch, um, how should how should they do that? If someone's listening, saying, "I know how to boost sales of uh, history," yes, <laughs>
2: oh, that would be What, yeah. what, 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 um, what should they do? Oh, e- email um, editor at aspectsofhistory.com. I'm I'm on the Twitter as well, and um, I you know, um, but email probably the best. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, we'll post all the details in the. Um, Fantastic. In, in the note. Now, is, is there anything that we haven't asked? Keiman, is, is there any other question or should we move towards? You no, know, so so I have really enjoyed listening to this. So just is there anything that we haven't asked or something important about the whole story that you think the that you're
2: planning to share that we haven't got to? Uh, are you asking me? Yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry. Well, I was worried that I hadn't um, talked enough about the kind of um, business side of things. Do you think I should have covered that more? There's no should, there's no should, I think. I think this could... has been
1: really, I think this has been very interesting. I've, 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 I've enjoyed this and I think the, the listeners will enjoy it as well. And I think you're going to help us get those Elgin Marbles back where they belong. <laughs> yes, well, I, uh... now I that I've undermined. That... Now that I've understood, now that we've taken the time and I've really understood the issues and the arguments, well, we you, get, you will on have
2: day. once you've listened to the podcast, of course, but um, yes, well, once you've listened to that, you might decide I did a rubbish job of of, <laughs> of, um, of putting my side of the argument and I might have undermined um, the position, but uh, yeah.
0: No, I mean, really we we could we we, we we could have we could have gone yeah. through all those all those steps, but I, and we we try to make it a free flowing conversation, and you know I think I think you know They're good. Pos- we 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 can't. It's best. My, my dad, who's he, sadly dead, now used to say the best is sometimes the enemy of the good, and maybe there was an optimal. Version of this, but I think this is pretty good, and I th- I hope. Uh, and uh, as we said before we started, if we've enjoyed ourselves, yeah, exactly, <laughs> the, exactly. The, the,
1: the. I've enjoyed myself, so screw everybody else.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and dear <laughs> listeners, and dear listeners, please get in touch with your people <laughs> No, yeah, um, no, no I, I think it is more interesting to listen to people who are interested in what they're talking about. So yes, well, th- 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 thanks very much indeed, and um, pleasure. thank you, thank you for being
2: here on the podcast. Be- thank you for having me.